Hey guys, welcome to episode 248 of the podcast, uh, Boys of Summer Rages On, with my wonderful, wonderful guest, Bob Ruff, from the Truth and Justice po- podcast. Um, if uh, if you are a fan of Serial at all, um, or Undisclosed, or you know, just have a basic awareness of the Adnan Syed case, I feel very comfortable saying that Bob uh, played a, a, an integral role in investigations that uh, ultimately led to Adnan getting a new trial. But uh, above and beyond that, for those of you who are not kind of true crime um, podcast aficionados, uh, he is uh, just a wonderful person. And um, I really, really enjoyed uh, talking with him. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I feel sure you will. And I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. of someone we both have a sense of each other that has nothing to do with us already knowing each other <laughs> right right yeah just from uh, listening yeah, to each other which on is other kind podcasts. of like I, I i mean i guess there's a i'm sure there's versions of that that have existed through the ages where you know i'm about to compare what am i comparing us to like picasso and einstein this is already becoming extreme I, i'm yeah I'm, right. I'm already making us sound like complete <laughs> assholes uh but like you know back in the day when someone would be like oh i've read your writing oh i i enjoy your scientific theories uh but the but the sort of like right. the sort of uh, like mutual fan of each other's podcasts but running in different circles thing feels so 2000s to me it really is just like this very specific phenomenon yeah you know i just had a, a similar experience uh last week when i went to the, the crime con did you hear of the crime con convention in indianapolis yeah i did i did and i would i actually probably totally would have gone if uh if i hadn't been shooting right. um yeah you were you mentioned that we were when you were on uh what podcast row that uh that it was just sort of this line of people like, oh, oh, that's what you yeah. look like. Or, oh, I've, you know, I've listened to your show. It was so crazy because you have that image of everyone and then you meet like, like Payne Lindsay with his big, deep, booming voice. And he looks like he's in a boy band. He's like this 140 <laughs> pounds, like five foot five, yeah. like yeah. little skinny guy. <laughs> yeah, he sounds really young. I mean, this is and and the and the other person who sounds really young to me and I and I'm. I say this not because I'm like, ah, they sound really young. I say it because I'm impressed because in my mind, I think to myself, I never would have taken on something like what they've taken on at their age. And that said, I have no idea how old they are, but also Claire from the Convicted podcast and the, she also does what, Actual Innocence? Yeah, Brooke. Something like that. She, oh, Brooke, Brooke, there you go. Yep. Sorry. Uh, she sounds like she's about 16 years old. I know. And, um, and I'm so impressed. Like I can't. And I'm sure she's not because obviously she's gone. She's. I think she's a grad student or something. Yeah, but she's, she's still, like I mean, mid 30s social worker. I think. Oh God, she just sounds like she's. <laughs> she does have that voice. A teenager. She also said something about having one on one of the episodes. Uh, she said something about having a little brother who sound like. And when once she said that, and he sounded like he was really young. I thought 
no, listen, this girl is, <laughs> she's going to rule the world someday if she's the age she sounds like she is and she's this smart and this on top of things and like this, you know, proactive and active in this community. Yeah. And, and to be honest, now that you say that, I'm thinking maybe my guess is off because she's actually been here in my studio recording before. She lives about 20 minutes from me. And oh, wow. Yeah. And I don't know if you're she, she wanted me to, to do a couple of episodes on her podcast and she was trying to. You know, she, oh, right on. Yeah. She records in her closet. I, <laughs> I, that's what I know from. Yeah. I you know, I hadn't listened to her first um, podcast project, but I did. I was listening to and I'm sure I probably I'm sure you probably mentioned it. In fact, I know you mentioned it because uh, it's hard for me to I get a little bit overwhelmed as i'm sure you do mm-hmm. with the amount of podcasts that are out there and so you know i've sort of tried different ones on and some of them um aren't my cup of tea which doesn't mean that they're not particularly in the kind of crime uh, and justice world i some of them are my cup of tea some of them aren't as much um and uh and so i never know what i'm gonna you know kind of really like and so that that in fact <laughs> that's sort of funny that will explain why we've even met at all so when other podcasters that i like say these are things i'm listening to i find that incredibly helpful and that is why i ended up reaching out to you at all which was that uh i listened to the episode where somebody had asked you in a q a like what ep- what podcast do you like to listen to and you went through and listed some great uh podcasts that sort of fall into this genre and I was dashing them down and then you said you know and I don't know just like if you want something totally different that's just you know a fun silly great entertaining podcast I'm a big fan of Jimmy Pardo's podcast and I almost ran my car off the road I was so (laughs) excited The bottom I felt I when you emailed so me, I'm like, oh, Jana Barney, I've seen her on Jimmy Pardo so many times. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And I forget that people watch that, like, mm-hmm. that's something that can be watched. Because for the first bit, um, when he first started, I don't think there were cameras. And then I'm so comfortable with Jimmy and Matt that I, I sort of forget, like, oh, of course there are cameras that um, are a part of this that you can also, so you can listen to it or you can watch it. Right. Yeah, and and to be honest, everybody, I, I always when people write stories or whatever about you know my story, they always mention like serial, but really Jimmy Pardo is is to blame for my career because it was <laughs> <laughs> I was such a fan of his. I loved that that fly on the wall, uh, yeah. just listening and just just organic conversation. I love it, and so um, I I started my first podcast, the Off Duty podcast, because you know I was a fireman and we used to sit around the coffee table at the firehouse. And have these ridiculous conversations, and they were always hilarious. And it, it always just reminded me of Jimmy's show. So then, yeah. Then when my uh, my mother in law and remind you, I'm a, I'm a grown man, um, <laughs> gave me cash for Christmas a couple of years ago. <laughs> my wife's family, Amazing. yeah, yeah. She, so she gave me two hundred bucks. She's like, I don't know what to buy you. Here's two hundred dollars. And I'm okay. Yeah. So I, I ordered an, uh, a podcast kit on Amazon. So that I could make off duty, which was which was intended to be just like Jimmy Pardo's Never Not Funny. So that's why I had the equipment to begin with when I ended up making the Serial Dynasty, then Truth and Justice. Ugh, that's so satisfying. I just that's just a really satisfying link, and uh, and that was that's go- kind of going back to the um, like how you how you meet someone or or having an awareness of someone beforehand. I'm I don't get that. Um, and I don't even think I put this in an email because it would just be too dorky for words. But weirdly, I don't get and, and and maybe you have a version of this experience, but I don't get I don't get super um, I don't I, it's not a matter of like whether or not I'm a fan of someone. It's just I, I am very fortunate in this 
incredibly ridiculous thing I'm able to do for a living that I don't even understand how I have this career. Um, but because I'm speaking of being a kid, like I, I'm being paid to play pretend, which just right. is outrageous. It sort of, there was a lot of moments, even having done this for like 12 years now where I just sort of like think what this is absurd. Why is, how, how is this a thing? Why am I, why am I a child? Um, <laughs> so when I meet somebody who's very much kind of in my world, even if it's somebody that I really enjoy their work, it's not, it's not as much of a surprise and I sort of, I guess there must be a mode that I go into that's just like, oh, hey, we're going to be working on this new thing together and, you know, I'm a, I, I really enjoy this person's work and, and now they're a peer and that's great and, and so very rarely now that do I kind of fangirl out and I seriously really was when I was listening to your podcast and you mentioned Jimmy's show, I was like, I have a connection to Bob! <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to crash my car! Uh, because, because that's just not something I would have expected, you know, I would have expected that like this is the, like this is a guy I'll never meet, even though I think he's awesome. So uh, so I'm just totally tickled. I'm totally tickled. Um, and I'm so glad that you agreed to do the podcast uh, during the summer, because, of course, that's the only time I interview guys, including our uh, mutually admired Jimmy Pardo. Um, and uh, and it, I think it will hopefully, you know, give people a chance, not that you never talk about yourself or haven't talked about yourself elsewhere, but um, I'm really excited to find out more about, you know, who you were growing up and, uh, and, and talk to you just a little bit about, you know, yeah, just the, the whole complete life change of going from, I know, I know as a teacher, I think, and both my parents are teachers, but mm-hmm. for you as a teacher, you are in front of people, you are comfortable speaking with people, you do have, I think that must kind of um, provide a sense of like, oh, there's like, I, sh- I can be listened to, I know what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, it's not like a who am I from nowhere just coming up with these, it's like, you, you've, you've already um, facilitated and, and know about yourself, like, well, yeah, I, I have you know, knowledge, and I know how to communicate that knowledge. But even still, I'm sure going from um, kind of having a community to you that is a certain size, and then suddenly jumping into this world where all of these people that don't, you don't know, know you and feel that they know you, um, what that has been like. This whole process has been crazy. You know, I've, I learned a long time ago, see, I was, I was very young to be uh, to have the job I had in the fire department. And I got promoted very quickly. And, uh, when I was, when I was really young, so I'm in my like early twenties and then teaching to, you know, 25 year veterans, you know, 50, 60 year old men that, that didn't really give too much of a shit about what I had to say. Uh, so, oh. so I, I, I learned very quickly that if I wanted to be listened to, I just had to pretend that I knew what I was talking about. And I think that's why the podcast was right. successful. <laughs> right, right, right. If they don't, if I don't blink, they won't know right. that I'm, yeah. Fake it. Well, how did, and so. <laughs> How how did you uh what is the is is uh firefighting in the family is it something that and I ask that only because I uh, for a couple of different people I've known have been like well yeah you know it's kind of you know it, that that's something that my uncle did or that's something my dad did or for you was it a total departure from from your family and your upbringing no it was it was it's kind of been in my family so my my dad when I was growing up was a volunteer fireman you know out here in the Midwest that's you know ninety percent of the departments out here are are just volunteers. And so, so he was in the business. I remember being around the firehouse as a kid. Uh, and then I have an uncle who was a professional firefighter out in Colorado or a full-time firefighter, uh, actually, uh, died very young, died at 33 years old. So unrelated to the, 
to the the fire department. Uh, but he was it was kind of like he was my motivation. So when the, I was I was I don't know ten or eleven when he died, uh, and had and I I made my mind up that I was going to go out to college in Colorado, out in Boulder where he lived, and and I was going to do all these things. He was also in the Air Force, um, and actually I actually had an Air Force ROTC scholarship to go to the University of Colorado, uh, and I, I didn't end up finishing the program for complicated reasons with my uh, confusion of my major, but. Anyway, so it's it's it was it was in my family, so to speak. Uh, but when I moved back to Michigan, I started a construction company and was, just, you know, I'd kind of gotten away from the whole the whole thing. And then uh, one day I was I was after a, a Friday afternoon of swinging a hammer all day, was going to the grocery store to get some cold beer and a, and a steak to throw on the grill. And there was a massive fire across the uh, street from the grocery store, and I was just like watching oh, all wow. the yeah, I was like watching all these guys like sweating to death and and you know just you know trying to get some water to cool off to take a break before they go back in and battle a fire and i just kind of in that moment i just really kind of felt like a piece of shit okay for for, for mm. me because i'd always wanted to do something where i was helping people where i was making a difference and i had gotten yeah. so caught up in building this business the construction but it was thriving i mean I, I was 22 years old and i was running a yeah i mean that's what i was going to say i was going to say like if you started the fire if you started you know and were promoted early as a firefighter and you also had started your own business even before that dang yeah i did <laughs> yeah i've never done anything <laughs> kind of half ass so that was you know it, it, that was the same thing i was working construction for someone else and was like well, this is dumb I can, and I was like doing the advertising for them. So I'm like, I can do my own advertising and go get jobs to, you know, do construction work. But it was like, I got caught up so much in that, that I'd lost sight of the fact that I really wanted to do something to help people. And it just, I just kind of felt guilty at that moment. Sure. And then. Well, that's when, that's when the best decisions are made through guilt. Right. Always. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had some doozies that I've made through guilt over the years. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I like went to the, the fire department the next morning. I, I, I didn't intend to um, close down my business. I just wanted to go volunteer. I was like, I, I went to the station. I'm like, hey, do you guys have volunteers or is there anything I can help with? And they said, sure, you can come be a volunteer. And I went straight to our local community college that day and enrolled in an EMT program and the fire science degree program. And oh my gosh. Yeah. 16 years later, I but was like taking an early did. retirement. <laughs> did you have a? I mean, did you have a sense of of that at when you were younger? Did you have the perspective of kind of looking around? Because you are this very interesting combination of being very social and being very community oriented and being very service oriented, but also having that like self starter and sort of the ability to look around and go, I think I. I think I might be able to do a better job of this if I just do it by myself or if I start something on my own. Um, and I think those, I mean, that's a really kind of spectacular combination of qualities. And I'm just, I'm wondering if you had an awareness of that from a, an early age too. Like, did you kind of look around at people around you and go, am I the only one who feels like I can just, I could, I could start this thing or I could do this thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, did other people see you that way? I, I don't know what other people saw, but I always kind of had that in me, which I mean, it can can be considered a good quality or a or a, an asshole quality. But I, ha I, I well, like I said, I mean, if you were like you know the CEO of a company and all you cared about was money, you know that might be slightly sociopathic, and that's right. why I'm saying it's so special when somebody is community oriented and feels that confidence and that drive. Yeah, well, and and, and yeah, and I always had because that's how I ended up 
you know, running my own business at 20. And as a matter of fact, when I was in Colorado before that, I was doing my own little construction business there, you know, small stuff. Uh, it wasn't like I had a thriving empire, but I have always had that, that, and it's funny, you, you asked me that. I've literally never, ever thought of this, but I have my whole life had that, you know, I can do that better than that. Why am I, why am I involved with this guy <laughs> when I can do that better? Right. Uh, wow. Did, uh, what, is your family like that too? Like, are your parents, do you have siblings? And I do. I they... have, I have two brothers. I have a younger brother and older brother and... Um, no, no, <laughs> it's, you, know, I was, you don't know where it came from. No, uh, uh-uh. no. And my, and my uh-huh. dad has not been my, both my, I, mean, I have some awesome parents and they, they both have had great careers and have done, you know, wonderful supporting us their whole life. But no, nobody in my family is self-employed, but me. <laughs> That's really interesting. God, I could really see how that would start to feel like a calling almost like this sort of like, I don't know, I don't know where I got it, but I got this machine in me that just kind of is a perpetual motion machine. And it, it just propelled, you know, it helps propel me forward and gives me the confidence to, to do all that stuff. Cause I don't, you know, and again, like going back to kind of our careers, like just two, two of the big careers that you've had putting aside the construction company for a second, but you know, becoming a firefighter, that's what little kids, uh, at least when we were growing up. And mm-hmm. I think still sometimes, think they want to do and then you know some little kids think they want to be like you know on tv or whatever right (laughs) or you know in the public eye like i want to be famous or whatever it is sort of funny that those two things are so different from one another but um they're things that uh feel like fantasies to children and then we're kind of taught like well that's not real that's not really for everyone like not everyone's going to be an astronaut not everyone's going to be a firefighter not everyone's going to be a ballerina like those sorts of cliches and yet you know, here, here, you and I both stand, going like, I don't know. Somehow, I just uh, actually did those things. Uh. I'm amazed every day. Oh, so when I walk, when I when I first had the built the studio, you know, the, the, my listeners funded me to build this little studio that I'm in, and you know, I, I I printed off a bunch of pictures that somehow, me being just this little fireman guy from the Midwest, I have you know pictures of me with uh, Jim Clemente and with Mark Harmon and John Cryer and. Uh, you know, all, and Sean T and all these people that I that I've met over the last like three years, and every time I walk in here, I'm just like, how the hell? Did this <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, how is how is there a picture of me with Mark Harmon on my wall? How did that happen? Right. It's right. It's just amazing to me how I and I still can't. It's nuts. It's bananas. And and then again, to not not to make you tell me what other people think of you, but just in terms of even, you know, your wife or your friends, um, you know, someone like Mike, who obviously you've known outside of him coming in and doing your podcast with you now, do they feel that way? Or are they kind of like, I don't know, I'm not that surprised. This is kind of you. Yeah, I think I think my wife is it feels that way. Uh, or the 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 latter as far as I don't know, yeah. this is just kind of you, you know, we she went to CrimeCon with me. And so she's been around a few of these fan meetups and things like that. And she, every time she's like, some person always asks me, what's it like being married to Bob Ruff? And she's, <laughs> she's always like, well, I was married to Bob Ruff a long time ago before any of this stuff. Like he's still the, that's him. That's just his personality. So, uh, but Mike is, Mike is a little in, uh, in shock. That was his going into the CrimeCon this past weekend was his first experience being around listeners are, are you know air quote fans and and uh, he was he, you know he was in a state of panic for the entire weekend sure <laughs> when people were wanting to take That's pictures lot, with him I'm sure yeah and yeah he went up to meet Jim Clemente in person we, we've, we've interviewed him and talked to him on the phone several times but 
you know, almost shaking like Mr. Mr. Clementi. It's it's great to meet you, sir. Uh, so it was awesome. I love it. It was cool to see him. He's really so for him. This is all very new for Becky as far as what um, what I'm doing. It's just kind of what I've. It's just my personality. I always end up, you know, usurping authority that's not mine and then either falling on my face or doing well. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, so where did you, so you, when you say you grew up in the Midwest, just for any of my listeners who might not know, um, who might not creepily know as much about you as I have (laughs) just from stuff you've mentioned on your podcast, where is that specifically? Where did you grow up? Where'd you go to high school? And then when did you, you've said you went to to Colorado for for a bit um, Mm -hmm. for college or were you there before then for any reason? Yeah, no, for college. So I was born and raised in the town of Buchanan, Michigan, which is a very small town, a population of about 5,000 people in the very southwest corner of Michigan. So it's uh, where no, the, the, the landmark people know is Notre Dame is in South Bend, Indiana. Sure. That's 10 minutes from where I grew up, just across the border. Um, gotcha. And then, yeah, then I, so I went and I went to high school, Buchanan High School, and then yeah, so the I, I got a scholarship from the Air Force to go to the University of Colorado, um, and the 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 real short story there was uh, when for those scholarships when you apply, it's like you do your top three schools and your top three majors. Well, I wanted to be an mm-hmm. architect, so uh, University of Colorado was number one school. I got my number one pick, uh, and then you had to do three majors, and so I put architecture, architectural engineering, and then I was like, well. What I, and this is this is somebody that doesn't know shit about college, like how it works. So I so mm-hmm. I, I live for my third choice, math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of math in architecture, so it's not. Well, that's the thing. I was very good. At, I was very good at math. I did really well in the ACTs and math, so I put math. Sure, mathematics. sure. It's, it's but math is not something a normal human majors in. Uh-huh. Which is why <laughs> when the Air Force saw that and they said, oh, shit, we can get, you know, because they have a quota for every. Oh, so gotcha. that caused me to not get to become an architect, which I wonder where I'd be now if I had done that. Uh, and gotcha. in- instead be a math major. And then after my first year, uh, the captain called me in and said there was it was a big debacle. I was supposed to be in applied math in the College of Engineering and I was in math in the College of Arts and Sciences. Long story short, they're like, look, sorry, we messed up. You can either walk away now and we just paid for a year of your college or you can switch over to this other major and start over. And at Ugh. 19, 20 years old, I was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done with I'm done yeah. with school for at least for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then I've ultimately moved back. And now where I live now is the town of Bridgman, Michigan, which is even smaller than Buchanan, where I grew <laughs> up. Um, it's just I mean, I'm, it's only 20 minutes away, but. We have a population of about 2,400 people. We have one stoplight, and it's just to slow down the Chicago people on their way up the lakeshore to St. Joe. Uh, right, right. <laughs> and that's that's our mm-hmm. little town. We can, you can literally walk anywhere in my town. When you made the, when you ended up um, settling back there, what drew you to that that small town? Well, I I after I I, I dropped out of college. Um, and I started doing construction work in Colorado and my plan was, I always wanted to live in Colorado. Like that was like my dream place. I loved it. I used to visit my uncle there I all the time. I love Colorado. It's so yeah. pretty, especially like, have you ever been to Boulder? Yeah. Love Boulder. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't, I'm like hard pressed to think of, I mean, obviously there's some like fucked up stuff that's happened in Colorado and mm-hmm. I, and I always, there, people always say like, what is it about Colorado? Like, who does it attract? But there's a sort of like, I think for me being from Arizona and always having lived on the West coast and as I've gotten older, 
where like weird things happen when you get older where you start like forming allegiances to things that you didn't give a shit about when you were younger suddenly now i'm like i'm a frontiers woman i'm a frontiers woman everyone i can relate i feel like i i want to build my own cabin in colorado like something happened to me where i was like oh i guess i have this like loyalty to the american west and i and to me colorado is like such a great example of that like you really you know it's one of the harshest places to live in the winter in the west versus mm-hmm. like i mean you know moving to some place like california where everything's kind of you know great all the time unless there's a mudslide or an earthquake but right. um but but i think that there are you know i think people who are attracted to live in colorado there's a lot of different types and some of them are very like you know we don't we don't we don't want the government to fuck with us we just want to live off the grid and some of them are nature you know sort of naturalists and some of them are just born and raised there and are conservative like it's a really interesting mix of people oh, yeah. in colorado and a lot of and still a lot of kind of open space you know not yeah too and it depends populated. where you go if you go out to far eastern colorado it's just it's just nothing there just plains yeah and then you know then you've got aspen and everything and then like in boulder uh, my favorite game was always to play when we'd walk down my like, town and Pearl Spin, like the Pearl Street Mall, was to play hippie or homeless. You know, you'd uh-huh. <laughs> please, please. I lived in San Francisco nine years. You think I don't know that game? It's <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's like, ah, uh, that one's homeless. And it's like, nope, North Face bag. He's wearing everything. Nope, that's a that's a hippie. Um, yeah. Yeah, the updated version of that is um, uh, that that we play is uh, basically like app designer or insane because of Bluetooths. Oh, so right. you could just see somebody like muttering to themselves excitedly and you don't know if that's because they have uh, a mental illness or if they are just on the phone. Right. <laughs> so it, it's coming to the future. Um but yeah, I so I mean I really get it. I really get it on the Colorado side of things. Yeah. And and but so and so when you and so when you headed back, um was there a, was there an impetus ever like you were so young, it's so hard when you're that age to go, well, rather than like I'm leaving Colorado, but rather than going back to where I'm from in Michigan, I guess I'm just going to go to Louisiana. Like that's sort of not necessarily. Some people have that and some people go, no, well, I I missed home, yeah. honestly. I was Yeah. You know, I was, I was, I'd been out there for a couple of years and, you know, after college, you know, I had to get a real job and uh, a real place to live. So I ended up in a, in a town called Aurora uh, because you, you just can't, a uh, 19 year old kid just can't live in Boulder, Colorado because it's, you know, yeah. an, an apartment's thousands of dollars a month. Uh, oh, sure. So I'd moved down to Aurora and I was doing some construction work down there and it's just, it, it's like the real part of Colorado when you really live there, traffic and smog and. Sure. Just, you know, people just weren't nice. I'm from a place where people are nice and people just weren't yeah. nice there. Uh, and I, I remember one day I got a call from one of my high school friends that was like, hey, our other, you know, it's my friend Ryan. He's like, hey, you know, our our buddy Chad, who's in the Marines, is is coming home for this next week or in two weeks, whatever. You need to come. We all need to get together and see each other. I'll even pay for your plane ticket. I just, we need, a, we need to see each other. And I just remember hanging up the phone and just, like looking around thinking what am i doing here like mm-hmm. I, like i have people at home that care about like i miss home and then uh sure it was about a couple of months later i mean i made, made the decision you know of course i had to make preparations and all that with work and everything but uh i i moved back to michigan back where i was from and, I, and i've been here ever since 
That's also like, that's such an unceremonious way. Like when you go someplace expecting as much as you can expect anything, but you know, you went to college thinking like, well, here I go. This is the beginning of this particular adventure or this journey. And and this is what it's probably going to look like. You assume that that's going to be what the experience is. And then to, uh, you know, have basically have them pull the rug out from under you and go like, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, misunderstanding. I mean, that's as a young person and even as a, you know, fully grown adult, those moments are like sort of shocking. Like, oh, okay, well, I guess I I guess I'll stay here still, even though that's not really why I first came here. You yeah. know what I mean? I it was, that, it was tough that to, process is Yeah, it was tricky. tough to accept. And, and it was, you know, and I stayed there uh, because of a girl, my now ex-wife. Uh, that's that's kind of why I said she was from there, and sure. that, and so I I came home for the summer for about a month, and then I you know saved up some money and then moved back there uh, to work for a year after school, and it, it was it had to do with her, you know, going back. But yeah, it sure. was I had a plan. My I I mean I'm just that's how I am, or at least how I used to be. You know when you you know when you're 19 and you know everything, you mm-hmm. know, and you know how the world <laughs> works and all that. Right. Uh, you know I I had I had laid out. All right, I'm gonna get through my four years of college, get my degree. Uh, then I'll, then I have to do the air force thing after that. I'll be commissioned. I'll stay in the air force till I'm 38. And then I can, because re- re- in the air force at 20 and out, I can retire at 38 with a pension. I'll have gotten my PhD and blah, blah, blah since then. And okay. I'm, uh, seriously <laughs> though, I was so clueless. Well, I mean, I was the opposite when I was 19. I was like, uh-huh. Ugh, I, I've been in school for, I, I've been in college for almost two years. What am I doing? Right. So, well, that's, that's where I ended that is, up. That is like, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, well, it yeah. was like I, I had, that was my whole plan. And then when they called me in, you know, because I was, I, I really enjoyed the, I mean, I would have stayed in the Air Force and done that, uh, had that worked out. I mean, I was enjoying the the structure of that and the and the feeling of making a difference and whatnot. Um, yeah. And so like when I got called into the captain's office, I'm like, oh, he's going <laughs> to, he must be giving me a, an award or something for my great uh-huh. performance. <laughs> <laughs> He must have he noticed must how great I he am. Must be. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like no, like it's like, literally. I think of the words out of his mouth were, "Look, sorry, we fucked up." <laughs> like, oh boy. Because it was actually the colonel that did. So when I, I had already been accepted to see you in the College of Architecture, so when I got the letter from the Air Force, I called the colonel. Of course, not knowing how the world or the military works, talking to a full bird colonel, and I'm like, "Hey, man." Uh, so, <laughs> and he was so, sure. he was, he's like, oh yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm like, well, I, I don't know what to do here. I'm in the wrong major. Oh, I'll take care of it. So it was actually him that put me in the wrong major. That's why they were so, uh, oh, gotcha. apologetic, but, but no, once I got home, it was, yeah. So that really, it, it was like yanking the rug out from underneath me. My plans were foiled. And so, you know, there right. was a few years of just, you know, working, making money and, moved home and it was just that that moment watching that fire where it's like well you had plans to help people and you're just yeah. you know building decks and making lots of money doing it and that's it right right what um what were you like when you were in high school you obviously you got a scholarship so i assume that you were a good student were you were you and did you were you excited about certain subjects uh, our architecture i asked that because architecture is not something that i would have thought seriously about as a high school student because it wasn't something that was right in front of me right unlike you know drama or you know social studies right well it was you know i've just always been had this kind of like so that especially when i was younger the the plan i always needed to have a plan um and you know i was i was i was good at math yeah i mean i was without trying real hard i mean i was probably a 3.9 student you know i i yeah but did you go to public school I did. I went to public school. 
Um, and, and I did really well, but it was like, I was school just, just, I was just one of those people. Luckily school just came easy for me because really I didn't put much effort into school. I mean, I could have been right. a 4.0, probably valedictorian, whatever, if I was, but I was, I was having too much fun. You know, I was like, I'll right, do what right. I got to do. I have a, I have what's been described to me, which, um, I think someone just got it off of Sheldon Cooper from the big bang theory as having, uh-huh. <laughs> I keep being told that I have an eidetic memory. Uh, and that's based on working these cases and reading thousands of pages of case documents and being able to recall where stuff's at. Um, but God, that's amazing. Yeah, it's annoying Impressive. actually sometimes, especially for the people around me. <laughs> um, <laughs> because you're always right. <laughs> yeah, well, I just I can't remember. From Becky and I were just we were laying in bed watching Orange Is the New Black this morning. Uh, no kids here this this weekend. And right. uh, she was, what was she joking about? Something about, um, that's why I don't like arguing with you because you remember everything I've ever uh, said in my whole life. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, but that's not the same as like total autobiographical recall, like someone like Mary Lou Henner has, right? Where you can no. say like, oh, I was wearing a plaid jacket and jeans Mm-mm. on uh, Monday than 15 years ago. Yeah. No, nothing like that. And I forget names, like people I went to high school with, I can't remember their names. It's like if I read something or see it in a book, it sticks. But, yeah. but it, anyway, just say that, that that's why high school was easy for me. It wasn't because I was right, a genius right. or I was a good student. It's because I could take a test because if I read it, I remembered it. Um, and when you say that you were you were too busy having fun, what 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 was fun for you? What were you out doing? Well, I was I was very much into athletics. You know, I was uh, a running back on our football team. I played baseball. I wrestled for a couple of years. Um, and then just just out socializing. When I actually wasn't a, a drinker, no drinks or drugs um, until my senior year uh, is the first time I ever had an alcoholic beer. I was like, you know, I, I, my buddies would drink and I would like have like an old duels because I don't I don't want to pollute, you know, I don't want to pollute my temple with uh, sure with the poison, which um, I, I polluted all the time. Now I had a lot uh-huh. of poison last <laughs> night, several beers last night. <laughs> but back then. <laughs> I was, you know, I, so I didn't drink, no drugs, no nothing, uh, but I was always at the parties. Like, I like to be, you know, around the people, you know, all my friends. I socialized a lot. I mean, that's really impressive to me because I got to say, like, I I did do a lot of that when I was, I, I always say I kind of got it out of my system early because mm-hmm. I was very irresponsible uh, in high school and, um, and now and for the longest time, it's so hard for me to be like I couldn't have been at those parties unless I also was stoned or something because I think I just right. would have been so bored by everyone else being wasted. Right. So uh, I'm always impressed that friends of mine that are like, no, no, I just, you know, I don't drink. But like I went out to the bar and uh, the, like the, the the patients, maybe maybe their friends aren't getting as wasted. But I, the, <laughs> I sort of I have a hard time like, you know. I, I go to this place of like, I really, and it, again, like I'm not sober by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but I, 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 I have this thing in my head where I'm like, what if, what if they don't even mean what they're saying right now? Cause they're just drunk or like, what if they're not going to remember this deep conversation I feel like we're having? Like, so I'm always interested in, in you know, it's, yeah, being a young person and, and knowing that you wanted to be a part of those things, but also like drawing a, a hard line at the time where you, you were like, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do X, Y, Z, but, um, I'm not going to be the guy who's doing this you know yeah and I, I almost wore like a like a badge of douchey honor back then like like i don't drink so yeah. I, you know but but i always had fun you know for me it was about going and seeing people and, and of course chasing girls you know that was sure. uh, important in high school but so yeah so i mean i was so that was my school like you know, i would i didn't really study for tests you know i did the homework that i had to do at the last minute the bare minimum to get by and then it was all about football and baseball and hanging out with my buddies and 
I've always been really outdoorsy too. So, you know, for, when other kids may be all out at parties, I would be just as happy to take a couple of my buddies and go out and go fishing for the afternoon or stuff like that. But I just, sure. I had, I would describe my childhood as just a, a great childhood. You know, I had fun. I was always having fun one way or another. Yeah. And what were the kind of girls that uh, you were cr- crushing on and chasing down? Were they, 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 did you have like a certain type or was it like, listen, ladies, I love them? Uh, no, I've never had it. <laughs> God, you ask really tough questions. Um, <laughs> I'm very hard hitting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking back now, you know, and it's like, no, th- there was always uh, my life. So so I've had, a, I should probably, you, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've had a bit of a, of a tattered uh, love life. I've. I've actually been uh, divorced three times to two women. We'll get to talk about that in a minute. Now that happened um, mm-hmm. before Becky. So I've spent a lifetime of trying to pigeonhole like, like, oh, this girl seems to fit the criteria. I like her mm-hmm. it, without ever um, understanding the connection that you need to have on a emotional level with someone. Uh, you know, they look this way. They're interested in the same things, blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of, you know, girlfriends that way. And then the girl that I went to Colorado for. Um, was, you know, we got married because that seemed to be the right thing to do. And we had, uh, we, she moved back here with me. Um, and, and she's a great, great person. Like we're very, very close friends now. I was just over her, her new fiance's house yesterday. Um, but in, in any case, we moved back and we had a kid and then we got divorced. And then I found this other, uh, woman that seemed to be so like, it's uh what movie was that i don't remember the the 80 20 rule from like the tyler perry movies if you've ever seen those mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so th- that's what i had like we had 80 percent. like we ran a great household together but something was missing yeah. found yeah. this other person who had that other 20 percent that i was missing but none of the rest and so then like divorced her and then went back and married the other one again had another kid still realized we got divorced for a reason the first time uh, so sure. so that's been my checkered love life and then, you know what, though? I don't know. Something about this is that it, somehow it all still sounds like it's coming from like the heart of a good, responsible person. Like there's just nothing about it that sounds like it all fall. It's to me, it all still falls in line with this idea of you f- looking towards the future. Right. I mean, right. It's, it's ironic because I think some people get married because they aren't thinking about that at all and aren't taking that seriously. And it, it seems like a fun thing to do in the moment. And I, I wouldn't believe that about you. I would think that you that would be part of this sort of like looking into the future and part of making a relationship important and lasting and a way of cementing that it's that you are committed to it. It would make sense to get married, whether or not that's a good idea. There's that there's something honorable about that, and that there's something not just that it's like a status thing, like oh, this is what people do, but that I don't know. I could just see you going like, well, I I, I know I love her. I mean, it seems yeah. like that's what you should. You know what I mean? I think there's there's that that's that's very different than like, well, listen, I was with this one woman, I married her, then I was cheating on her with someone else, and then that woman had a kid, so I had to get married to her, and then you know right. I left them both for a Parisian girl I met when I was on the road like that's a very different checkered past you know what I mean yeah and then this idea of going back to the first person that you know you'd had a child with I mean I think that's again that's all the sort of it just seems like it comes from such a good place of like well listen we had a kid together and like you know there, there must have been a reason we were to, in the same way that you would go, there's a reason that we got divorced once you realized, oh, yeah, that's also a huge part of this. Right. I could see using the same kind of reasoning to get back with that person. Like, well, listen, you know, we did get married and we did have a child. Like, we really were building something together. Maybe we threw that away too quickly, you know? 
Yeah, and that's I will say I've I've done some very dumb things, but they were always with the good with the best intentions. Totally. Yeah. And and so and then so with Becky and so, so I guess all the way back to the the question you asked about my type, what I found was my type happens to be the person that I can hang out with that I enjoy spending time with as my best friend, which is yes. who Becky is and and I got lucky with Becky cuz she's also gorgeous on top of that, so that really helps, but uh, right. But what I learned is, you know, her and I have been friends for years and we were kind of going through some stuff at the same time. And, you know, we're just we're best friends. You know, it was like last night we had, you know, a night with no looking back in prior relationships where it's like, oh, it's I finally get a night to go out with the guys and I can go do something. And she can like we don't not, not that we can't we do sometimes. But for me, it's like, oh, we have a night with no kids. I get to go hang out with my best friend. We're going to what are we going to go do? Because it's going to be fun, whatever it is. And, absolutely absolutely and so that's my type is my type is becky ruff <laughs> stop with that because that is just wonderful and adorable and it, everybody already knows that about you based on things that you say on your own podcast about her but that's and that's very inspiring to people you know i mean that's not not to say like you have a responsibility now to always be in that space with your wife because everybody has ups and downs but um those kinds of it's funny because those sort of side those side facts when you become in the public eye um, that just ha- are more incidental to the rest of your life end up becoming these kind of touch points for for other people too. Do you know what I mean? It's like you didn't mm-hmm. start a podcast about how to have a great marriage, but it's such a huge part of the rest of your life that isn't the podcast that it's going to come up organically mm-hmm. on a podcast regularly. And uh, and that's just like another thing that people are inspired by, which I think is, is kind of wonderful because that is that sort of like, it's the incidental like, oh yeah, I guess also... I have this other thing that I've learned how to be good at and I didn't learn the easy way, but I'm living proof that it's possible for people who aren't necessarily tuning in to listen to that in the back of their minds are like, oh yeah, relationships, you yeah, know, it's, equality, it's kind of- like res- mutual respect, friendship. Those are all important things in relationships and that's sinking in in people's brains back there, you know, young listeners and stuff who are like, I think that's, I just think that's cool because it's a sort of, it's almost like a subliminal um, lesson and teaching, you know? Yeah, and I, I hope it's something that sinks in. Like you said, it's not the focus of the show, but it's something that I'm I'm proud of. You know, I was a person that, you know, all I wanted, out, I always tell people, like, my hero was my dad. I'm like, what would your dad do? Was he a fireman? He's like, no, my dad was a guy that always made sure that he did what he had to do to provide for his family. He's loved my wife his entire, or excuse me, he's loved my mother uh, his entire uh, adult life. And he just, he just, when I look at my dad, I see a dad and a husband. And so that was always yeah. my goal is, you know, I don't care about money and all these other things. Like, I want to be a dad and a husband. So for a guy like me that that's all you want, having three divorces on your record, at some point you start to, before Becky, you know, there was a point where I was like, I have just, like, everybody's, you're doing, you're excelling in the fire department and, you know, I'm, you're the the training officer at 25 years old and blah, 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 blah. And all I was thinking is like, I'm a failure at the one thing that I wanted to succeed at. And, Ugh, and you were so young to already feel like, oh, yeah, that's the flip. That's the flip side of the coin, right? Of mm-hmm. being somebody who's advancing in so many other ways as such a young person. I mean, you must look back at that 25 year old and go like, oh, bro, you were so young to feel like this thing that, you know, this thing you were, you were becoming a failure at, or you just weren't good enough at yet. It's like, you're, you, you have so much time in your life to get better at things when you're in your early twenties, but oh, yeah. you had all this experience with advancing yourself in other 
ways in your life the way somebody else might not like somebody who's just an aimless drifter uh when they're 22 which by the way it's still okay to be fairly aimless as long as you're not like mooching off other people nonstop, right. you know but if you're just a person who's like working a job you're not sure how you feel about it you know you're dating you've been in a relationship or two you're not sure how you feel about it if there's all this kind of like murky stuff that feels unformed you don't really have a bunch of stuff in your life to compare it to where you're like well i know i'm really good at this so if i'm really good at this that must mean i suck at this right opposed to like also bob you're 25 so you don't need to be like you know amazing at having been married so young and making that work yeah except for when you're 25 you think that you know everything still i know (laughs) i know i know i don't know what happened i can't i don't know when i crossed over to being a person that's like i look at people as younger now i felt Mm -hmm. like i was the same age as everyone like from the time i was you know 20 to like 35 and then i guess somewhere in there i was like oh young people like when did that happen yeah i when, noticed when like did just, i cross a line that it was an invisible and i don't remember when that happened yeah now you know now that i have you know mike is is 27 and now that he works with me uh he points out all the time that i refer to be a lot of people that are you know in their 20s and 30s as kids and, and right, so he's, right. He's, he's like you're so old like that dude's 30 and you just called him a kid. It's like, well, he seemed, he's right. a kid to me. I, oh, <laughs> when did that happen? I don't know. I'm telling you, it's very subtle. It sneaks up on you. Ugh. Uh, and that said, I'm still like super wrong about how old I think people are for this right. in the same way. Like I'll say like, I, she, what is she, 21, 22? And they're like, she's 37. So uh, then I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, I clearly have, you know, whatever my radar is, is is utterly and completely off on that anyway. <laughs> um, what was, so, okay. So you sound like you were super busy uh, as, as a teenager. Were you, um, w- what did you like in terms of like music and entertainment or was that stuff uh, as important to you? I asked that because like for some of my friends, music was like their world when Mm -hmm. they were in high school because they felt misunderstood or because they were passionate about playing guitar or you know whatever it was was like i you know they needed alanis morissette to tell them that things were going to be okay um or that it was okay that things weren't okay as the case may be but then all the other people are like oh i don't know i just listened to the radio like whatever was on it's not something that was you know a big deal to me yeah that was more me so like like uh, becky is very much like music is her life she couldn't live. She said all the time she couldn't live without music. With me, I like music, but um, you know, I, I listened to you know, I was you know, '80s rock and you know, whatever was current. The '90s alternative, you know, when I was in in school in the '90s, uh, and and listened to country. I, I I listened to a lot of different things, but music was just always, I don't know, background for me. Mm-hmm. It was never that never that important to me. And I and I've always a big difference I noticed too between like myself and my wife is I. I am a lyric listener. So like the songs that I like, you know, the beat and all that is, is you got to feel it. But I like a song based on the words, whereas Becky half the time doesn't, her favorite song, she can't tell you what the lyrics are. She just feels it, you know, gotcha. so we're very different like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I totally get that. Um, and then what about, you know, did you, did you love watching SNL? Like, did you, you know, I know you like Jimmy's podcast. Did you, were you a comedy fan from early on or was that something you stumbled on? Um, I mean, listen, everyone has a sense of humor and people go see funny movies. So I'm not saying like, mm-hmm. you have to say, oh no, I only watched the news. I didn't, uh, enjoy anything funny, but did you have like stuff like that that you, you know, oh, got to tune into this or, you know, uh, I have to see all of Arnold's movies like that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I never, I was, my life really revolved more around my social life. You know, I always had a girlfriend and stuff going on, but there were like, I've always loved comedy. I always loved, you know, uh, Saturday Night Live, of course, was a big one. 
I loved watching David Letterman. You know, if I was just staying up late and just I, I liked his style of comedy. Yeah. Uh, and funny movies. You know, I love to laugh. But I'm just I'm just very I have a very wide range of things that interest me. But nothing was ever important enough for me to like revolve my life around it. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, and just going back to the, the firefighting thing, um, to you, cause you'd mentioned that your uncle is a big inspiration to you. I, I made the joke about, you know, following through with childhood dreams and stuff, but, but what was that something that was something you said you mentioned earlier that, that was kind of on the list from when you were kids and we really have a limited scope of what careers mm-hmm. there are and what they're like. That, that was something that for you, you had a direct connection to and you were like, yeah, firefighter. I had a direct connection to it, but honestly, I never had a – that was never my desire. Like, like I was the gotcha. kid that grew up saying I want to be a marine biologist. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> without having any idea what that meant, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like to draw pictures of sharks and whales. Uh, sure. And, marine biologist. and then and then as I got older, it was, you know, a more logical career path. I want to be an architect. Um, and it just, it, it just came later. I think when my uncle passed – that was uh, kind of a trigger that I wanted to do something like what he did, but I was going the other way, the Air Force way route rather than the fire department uh, route. And I just kind of, but no, I mean, I never, I never thought I'm going to be a fireman until I was a fireman one day. Yeah. That's really amazing. Did, and, and um, oh, I just lost my train of thought because I started thinking about uh, the fact that in, I was blown away by what you said uh, earlier on, very earlier on, where you, you said that m- many uh, fire houses in the Midwest are volunteer or volunteer only. Is that mm-hmm. did I get that right? Yeah. Just because um, for me, when I lived in San Francisco, there was a brief time, and I mean, <laughs> this is a serious departure uh, for me. But like, it became something I was very passionate about for a minute until it became clear that it wasn't going to work out. So I'm exactly the opposite of you. I'll just be like, "Oh, this seems great. Oh, it doesn't. Okay, uh, <laughs> I guess I liked it for a minute." But um, but uh, in San Francisco, uh, I I moved myself out there because I really wanted to live in San Francisco. So I I left school when I was a junior, halfway through my junior year, and went to San Francisco from Arizona to establish residency, work, get, you know, and then be able to go to uh, San Francisco State University and pay in-state tuition because my family didn't have any money at all Mm -hmm. um, either. And uh, and I, I somehow, somewhere along the line, I just, I suddenly was like, I want to be a firefighter. Um, I think I want to be a firefighter. I don't want to be an EMT. I don't think I could handle that on a daily daily basis. Again, not really realizing that those two things have so much in common in terms of the sorts of emergencies that you're called to. Uh, yeah, but, but, um, but I had, I was, where I, where I worked, uh, (laughs) funnily enough, I worked at a pottery barn when I was like 20 and, uh, and I was going to school part time and these firefighters would come in, um, like they would go get coffee across the street and they would come in. I'm sure like they were coming on to me or whatever, but they were super nice and great and way too old for me. Uh, God bless you firefighters. But, uh, <laughs> but in just like being interested and being talkative, I'm just interested in people. And I'm, I'm very interested in people who have these very specific careers that I don't know anything about. I always like hearing about that and, uh, and kind of getting, you know, a sense of who they are and why they chose what they chose. And just in talking to them, like the more I talked to them, the more I was like, I don't know, this sounds like something maybe I could, I could be into and so I um I started kind of looking into it and I I filled out my application and stuff and then but my point of all of this is that um it is so 
popular to be a firefighter in a metropolitan area, or at least in mm-hmm. San Francisco. You you can't even get a, an interview to potentially be considered for cadet school. It's a lottery. So right. they'll get like 60,000 apps and then like 5,000 of those will be randomly chosen and then weeded through and then a handful of those, those people will end up. So it was just in such high demand that um, that I was like, oh, this will never happen. Like I'll yeah. never even, the chances that, I mean, this they call it a lottery. Like I also don't play the lottery because the chances mm, of me right. winning are so slim. And it's, so it's I just, like I that, thought this is impossible. It's like that nationwide. It's just, it's a, you know, there's so many, you know, I don't know if you know this, but 70% of the fire departments in the country are actually volunteer fire departments. I, mean, uh, I just didn't realize that. I mm-hmm. really didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, most small towns, like the one I live in, they just you, they just can't afford to put, you know, like I would guess, and I don't know, but I would say probably the budget for the government of the town I live in is somewhere around a uh, million dollars a year or less. One million. Mm. And so, you know, if you take you know, just put three guys in a firehouse full time, you have to have three shifts. So that's nine full time employees, probably plus a chief. So that's 10 at, you know, around here, 50, 50, 60,000 dollars a year. I mean, real quick, there's 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 600 grand of your budget is just for labor for the fire department. And so <laughs> most small towns cannot afford to do that. So but but there's tons of there's I mean there are millions of people that volunteer to be firefighters around the country and it's and it's in my opinion more honorable even than the the guys like me that were getting paid to do it. Uh, right. but what but most of them a lot of them would love to be doing it full time. So yeah, like when I just I guess I got lucky like because what happens around here usually is there's a, a test. So you'll get you know there's one, we're going to hire one person at this full-time fire department and a thousand people will go apply. And they'll yeah. give them all a written test, and that's how they start to narrow it down. And then the physical agility test, and that narrows it down further, and then end up creating this list. But yeah, it's it's a it's a tough nut to crack. I was pretty blessed to get in on my first try. God, that's a that's amazing. Um, and and how did you get into arson investigation from there? Was that just? It just I I I engross myself in whatever I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah. when I um. I, you know, I, so th- there was the, the fire where I walked down and said, I want to be a volunteer. They said, sure, let's fill out the application. I said, I went to the college and I enrolled in the fire science program, uh, took the EMT class. Well, part of the fire science degree program I was in was a course on fire cause and origin. And I just loved it. I loved the investigative part of it. And so I took a few more classes on that. It's just, and, and that's the thing with firefighters. We're always, always taking classes. Like you're always building your resume and adding certificates. Uh, and for me, that was something that I, I I was really interested in besides my overall degree to focus on that. Ended up later teaching fire cause and origin at the college that I, I previously went to um, and just started, you know, we had lots, we had plenty of structure fires. And every time we had one, I just always made sure even if I was off duty that I would come in and help. We call it digging, but investigating the fire. It just hmm. one of the things that was really interesting to me in the business. What is the solve rate of, is, I mean, I, I'm sure it wildly varies from place to place, but is that, is there sort of a general overall uh, kind of ratio or percentage that happens with arson investigations opposed to like, you know, we talk, we can talk about like, oh, okay. So in Dallas, Texas, the solve rate of a homicide every year is, you know, 50% or whatever. Is that, is there a number that is pretty consistent with arson investigation? Do you get the satisfaction of solving something on actually discovering a perpetrator or is it mostly, 
Like, well, mo- well, like I can or can't say I can or cannot rule out that this was arson. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the and the thing is, like, everybody says arson investigation, but really, it's it's fire investigation. So, like, what caused this fire? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, so gotcha. you know, ninety percent of the time or more, these are not arsons. They're just, but you still have a duty for the insurance companies sure. and to the homeowners to determine where and how the fire started. And so, right. and and in most cases. We can do that, and that's what I love. So, you, so, and and that's how me investigating these cold cases is kind of uh, kind of in a parallel universe, because you know, uh, with a fire, the fire's over. the 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 house is just crumbled and fallen in on top of itself, and we really have to literally have to pick out piece by piece, all and and rebuild the the building, uh, and so that we can start finding burn. But you know, so it's like, okay, well, where did this? This this China hutch used to be okay. Well, let's we can mm. tell by burn patterns on the wall. Put that back against the wall. Okay, where are the burn patterns? What's the floor look like? And then look at every single detail in minute detail in order to determine where the fire started and potentially how. So I would say probably eighty percent of the time we can do that. You know, more so than just saying, well, we can't rule out something. Uh, right. As far as arson goes, arson's almost. Like, People say arson is junk science, and it's really arson uh, arson investigation. It's really not. It, it becomes junk science when you have an overzealous arson investigator who you know mm. makes leaps. Like I can say, well, the fire, the evidence indicates the fire started over there. This is our heat source. That's what started the fire, and that's the best I can tell you. I can't tell you that guy did it. Unless, right. you know, I get that guy to confess. Okay, so uh, let's get into this MASH game, which uh, I know I could not have more poorly expressed to you what it is. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like one of those things where because I played it so much as a kid, um, it's like one of those things you don't have to think about. You just It's just part of your – whatever it is, it's part of your kind of the, the language of your childhood. And so when somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about, I realize like, oh, I don't have – and you think that I would have learned this, you know, 200 and however many episodes in that um, I should have a really, really easy way of explaining it. And instead, <laughs> I just convolute it every single time I convolute it. And it is a child's game. So I'm not sure how I'm making it so complicated. <laughs> I think but, I got to figure it out. Um, it reminds me of... I, we think used you, to do I think it. you got it. Did you ever do the thing with the where you would fold up the paper and make like the little oh, cones? Oh, yeah. It reminds me of that a little bit. Yes. So I started, I actually, that was another thing that I did early on in the podcast. I had someone make me some because I never even knew how to make them. Mm -hmm. I also didn't know what they were called. And I was told that they, one one person said that they were called fortune tellers and then some other people backed that up, which sort of made sense. And then someone else said uh, that they were called cootie catchers. And I was like, (laughs) that's not true. And then every, like tons of other people were like, oh no, that's a hundred percent what they were called. I don't know why, but uh, now now you know. So if you want to be hip with uh, the 10 year olds, you can call them cootie catchers. Gotcha. Um, uh, you're welcome. Um, so, uh, <laughs> okay. So I've got these, I've got the, these little different categories and you just give me some kind of fantasy answers. Um, things that, uh, that sound good to you when I kind of list what they would be like, I'll start with this one. Cause I, I gave this as an example to you before. So as I said, the reason the game's called mash is that mash stands for mansion, apartment, shack, or house. So that's going to be like a thing that's already built into the game. You're going to end up with one of those. Okay. But what I want to know is, um, a place that you would want, it's going to be your vacation home. So you have a vacation mansion, apartment, a vacation shack mm-hmm. or a vacation house, uh, and three places in the world where, uh, pretend like getting there is not a hassle. It's almost like you could 
teleport yourself. Okay. Uh, three places that in the world that you, and it doesn't matter if you've been there or not, you can do whatever the idealized version is to you, uh, mm-hmm. that you would want to have a vacation home. Uh, three places. Uh, I'm pretty simple. So I think one would be in Colorado. Uh, right. I would love to have a vacation home in Alaska and mm, great. Tennessee, Gatlinburg area. Mm, great. Okay. I've never been to Tennessee. I would really like to go. It's really pretty. We're going there next week, actually, with our with our kids for vacation. I was asked by, uh, I don't know if you know Mystery Science Theater 3000 or the guys that do this thing called Rift Tracks. They, were, they came off of Mystery Science Theater 3000, but they do these live shows where they kind of riff on old movies and stuff in big theaters. And they asked me to come to Nashville and, and do one just this last week. Um, and I couldn't because I was shooting and I was so excited cause I thought I'm finally going to get to Nashville. Uh, so <laughs> Nashville I'm going to have to make cool it happen town. on my own. Yeah. I can't wait for someone else to pay me to go there anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> I need to just make it happen. Uh, okay, cool. So we got that. We got that. Um, let's do, uh, let's do three skills that you wake up with tomorrow. And this this particular type of skill is not, uh, I'm probably going to do superpowers at all also. So this particular skill is more of, you know, like Kung Fu slash, it's like Matrix style. You wake up tomorrow morning and you uh, are an expert at, you know, one of three things um, that you just kind of downloaded into your brain. Oh, that's a good one. Well, uh, of course I'd want to know karate. Um, right? <laughs> sure. What other... Uh, Skills. What skills do I need? Um, I would uh, the the ability to run fast. <laughs> sure. Um, and like I'm relating everything to baseball right now in the middle of baseball oh. season. <laughs> so like, like, like if I could run faster, and if I could just if I could hit the ball out of the park every time. Uh-huh. <laughs> how about those are my Great. skills? <laughs> Listen, home run out of the park. Great. Okay. Um, and then next one is, uh, this is one that I include in every mash game because it is something that I have strong feelings about. So if you don't, you can tell me to skip it, but this is like three foods that in this reality are, you would like to eat all the time, but for one reason or another, you can't, they're too fatty. They give you, you could have a heart attack. You, you know, there's too much sugar in them. Uh, you're allergic, anything like that. And it can also be specific to like, Oh, there's this Philly cheesesteak. I wish I always crave and I can only get it in blah, blah, blah. It's sort of that encompasses that. It's like at the snap of your fingers, you can have any food, uh, uh, no matter how good or bad it is for you in perpetuity, no matter how rare it is, uh, and it's good for you in this alternate universe. It's actually good for you. Oh, I'm so excited about this one. Okay, good, 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 good. So, so Becky is is like organic, gluten-free, everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, if I could wake up in the morning and eat a plate of a spaghetti, her mother's spaghetti, my wife's Marge, or my wife's mother Marge, her homemade spaghetti, that's oh, number one nice. for sure. Okay, great, 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 great. Uh, and then uh, I would say uh, pizza from Bruno's in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, Ooh, nice. A nice pizza pie from down there. And uh, what was it I just had on the tip of my tongue? Uh, something else that I love. Oh, and a, uh, a double cheeseburger from the North Shore, uh, North Shore Bar in Benton Harbor, Michigan. These might be the most specific and best answers I've ever gotten. I love I, that you have you, that you know <laughs> the places. I love food, so <laughs> me too. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. Um, 
Uh, great, great, great. Okay. Uh, then the next one will be, okay, well, you know, listen, I got to get this out of the way because um, I always feel bad doing this when, particularly when someone's in a great couple and particularly when someone is very in love with the person they're with, but different couples have different rules. But anyway, the mash game as it's played as a kid always involves your sort of alternate universe, you mm-hmm. know, like sexy times or your crush or your alternate universe husband or wife or whatever. Um, usually, you know, a, like a celebrity. Um, so I don't, if you, if you feel comfortable doing that, if you think Becky would get a kick out of it, or if you think she'd be like, no, thanks, Bob. Um, but this is like, and it can also just be like people you used to have a crush on. Like I, I like uh-huh. to go down the road of like young Paul Newman because ain't nobody going to raise an eyebrow at me saying that. But if I were to be like, you know, Bob Roth, Gabriel, like that'll whatever. get weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might get in trouble. I might get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, so that's so that's it. That's a kind of like the crush, the crush alternate universe, like spend, spending a little time with one of these gals category. All right, let me think here because Becky will get a kick out of this. Um, okay, good. But I'm trying to th- like I sound like a total like cliche douche because I'm like I can't think of anybody. Um, but I, why I, is that a cliche douche? The cliche <laughs> douche would be like any of the Sports Illustrated models, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, you know that's a good. So uh, from up right up the road here from where she's originally from, I guess I would have to put Kate Upton on that list. There you go. Uh, there you go. Sports Illustrated, and then uh, when I was younger, the my two crushes were uh angelina jolie and yeah get uh, in line yeah <laughs> and uh and, and demi Moore. yeah i think those would be oh sure the three sure um that's a good variety too i have to say uh which we know you don't you, you I did, don't have a, type. have a specific type that's yeah. right um okay and then next one uh kind of similar but this one is more is is more like a like a best friend or like a mentor um but let's have it be let me press you a little bit challenge you to stretch a little bit this is someone like from fiction so it could be this is okay. somebody that is not a real person but that it would be awesome if you could just like you know get get in a car go over to their house or go have a beer with them somebody uh three different people from you know from from movies or from books or you know anybody who's not real but you're like and it could be like a cartoon you know what i mean but but three right. best buds that um that don't exist uh in in the world we live in Three best buds from fiction. So not the actors, but the characters. Characters, yeah. Oh, let me think now for a second. Uh, the, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of her. Melissa McCarthy? McCarthy? McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, totally yeah, love Melissa to hang McCarthy. out with her. Uh, and what, so I guess, yeah, she kind of does play a specific character. Oh, but shit, like, that's is there the a actress, movie damn it. Um, I know. Uh, her, gotcha. her character from Bridesmaids. Oh, great, 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 great. Um. Oh God, I keep thinking of the actors. Oh, let me think here. I'm trying to think of uh, shows well, that I watched. Well, if you think of the actor, we could probably in- reverse engineer it. Reverse engineer it back, to, like back yeah. to the character. Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Zach Galifianakis. So I guess you know for his sure. uh, what was his character in um, in The Hangover. I don't remember what the name is, but we'll just, we we'll all just, know yeah. Hangover, Zach. Zach. Zach and the Hangover, right? Yeah. And then um, I keep I, the, the immediately when you said that, I keep snapping back to Joe Rogan in my mind. But Joe Rogan's a real human, and and he doesn't really do much acting anymore. 
know what this as my gift to you i'm gonna give you joe rogan awesome yeah can you let joe know too because i'd like to go hang on in his basement and record his podcast too i'd be happy yeah, to do it i will i will see if i can get word to him i you know it's funny <laughs> i don't i don't really know joe um i've met him a couple of times but uh the the weirdest like i have i the next time i ever see him if i get the chance i want to tell him the way that i think of him because i guarantee you like it is not the way anyone else does because when I first moved to LA, this group of people, I think it was like, I want to say it was started by Jill Soloway who created that show, um, uh, transparent. That's like a huge thing on Amazon and stuff that Jeffrey Tambor's in. Anyway, point being, uh, she and a group of other writers did this thing where there's this thing called hell house that this, um, like a Christian minister created to scare young kids at Halloween. They create a house where each room has like some sort of huge sin that you're supposed to be scared off of from doing. I mean, this is a real thing. So the hell house is a real thing. And then these like, you know, hipster LA writers were like, we're going to do our own hell house. We're going to do it word for word, but we're going to get, you know, celebrities and comedians to act out all these parts. And so for Halloween, they took over this place and like you would go from room to room and all these famous people would be depicting these horrible things. I mean, there's like a room where this, you know, again, this Christian guy who, by the way, is giving Christians a bad name. So I'm not no judgment on Christianity, but uh, it's like you go into a room and you see a girl getting an abortion. I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy pants. Um, and so, but, and so you go from a room and then at the end you, you meet Jesus (laughs) and Joe Rogan played Jesus. <laughs> and and so that is whenever anyone says the word just Joe Rogan, I always imagine him shirtless with a fake beard as Jesus at the end of this Halloween <laughs> hell house. And that's like, awesome. I, that's just, I just think that's so, that stuck with me so firmly that that is what I think of every time I think of Joe Rogan. So, See, I always but think I'm not going to uh, make yeah. Is a Joe from News Radio way back. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, we did a news radio reunion at uh, my comedy festival, and he was one of the people who couldn't come, and I was so sad because uh, that was such an amazing show and such a great group of people. Mm-hmm. That's true. He was great on that. God, I would almost, yeah. I'm going to give you Joe Rogan, but I do like Joe Rogan News Radio, Joe Rogan, too. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Make it, make it that one. Yeah. Okay. Let, let me do superpowers because I think I started to um, scratch that itch a little bit when I heard, you know, when you, when I gave you uh, skills, but mm-hmm. if you want to run really fast, then we could go straight into like superhero running really fast. But three skills uh, uh, that are like superhero skills, like, uh, or, you know, just sort of out of this world skills well, on some well, level could be ESP or whatever. Yeah. Like obviously x-ray vision. Uh, <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I mean, of course, obviously, <laughs> right, and uh, uh, of course, who doesn't who doesn't want to fly? So I'll take X-ray vision sure. and uh, flying. And uh, can I can I be made? See, I'm as I'm getting older, and every time I do something as simple as go for a jog, I I hurt for three or four days. Can I just oh be like God. made of steel too? Like yeah, like yeah. maybe maybe I don't know if I want like Superman steel or like Wolverine. You know, whatever that stuff yeah. is in him but just like that or like or his power to sort of instantly heal even yeah. if he does get get That's hurt it, yeah okay. so i think yeah the wolverine stuff where you can instantly heal made of yeah. metal yeah that'll be perfect okay because, great because if i'm flying i'm going to hurt myself uh-huh. <laughs> i can relate I can relate. I remember uh, seeing my, Greg Barrett, who has certainly done Jimmy's podcast. So you might know him, but um, one of my favorite people and comedians. And um, uh, uh, he's many years ago. He started. He was doing comedy about how he would, how sad it was to 
wake up sore from sleeping. And I was right. like, oh, that's exactly. so funny. That'll never be me. And now I'm like, oh, I slept weird. My neck is, I feel like my neck is broken. Um, okay. Have you ever heard, uh, and then, I'm sorry. Oh, go. No, I, no, I was, go. I was going to ask, have you ever heard Louis C.K. talk about that in, in one of his routines? About, oh, yeah. About just getting old and going to the doctor. Yes. And he's like, well, you just need to stretch for 20 minutes a day. And he's like, well, till when? He's like, you're just, that's just something you do now. Yeah. Because uh, you're yeah. old and you're just, <laughs> you're just going to have to start doing that now. And it's still going to hurt. Oh, it is. It's basically like, oh, you have physical therapy every day as mm-hmm. you get older. Like, yeah. you got to go to PT uh, in your living room. Um, okay. And then uh, next one is uh, alternate universe careers. So I know that you had a lot of uh, varied interests and you've had uh, several just in this lifetime. What about um, other things that might be harder to stop everything and, and start doing, but that it would have been fun for you to kind of explore and, and do in this alternate universe? Alternate universe career. Uh, my careers have changed so wildly over I know <laughs> over my life. Um, you know, I never, ever thought this until now. As a matter of fact, as early as last year, I was offered a couple of options and, um, and, and turned them down. But I think it would be cool to do some sort of acting and television work. Um, but like, like, like scripted stuff. So I don't, I don't have to do real work, you know, the, the kind of work that research that I have to do now. Right, um, right. I will go right back to professional baseball player. Great. Um, and a helicopter pilot. I've always thought I'd make oh, a great nice. helicopter pilot. There you go. You're tapping into a little bit of the air force stuff. Yeah. With that a little bit. Great. Um, okay. And then last category is, uh, this kind of is similar to the characters that you're, you would be friends with, but this is three movies that you can jump into whenever you want. It's almost like a vacation for you. It's like, you can actually go into the movie and hang out. You're not reliving the plot. Um, you're just like in that world. So it could be a fa- fantasy, like to the point where it's, you know, going to into star Wars, assuming you're in some sort of a safety bubble where you're not going to get hurt or, mm-hmm. you know, going into like, you know, um, you know, nineteen hundreds New York from Gangs of New York or whatever. I'm sure that's not when it's set, but you get the idea. Right. Uh, or just you know, but going into the Hangover and laughing your ass off. But uh, three movies that would be fun to jump into at will. Uh, actually, I think the first one would be Grown Ups. Great. Uh, that seemed like a cool group of guys to to hang out with, and I and about my speed. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, def- definitely the hangover, the first hangover, um, presuming that I can't get myself hurt while I'm there. Uh, cannot, you cannot. Yeah. Yep. And then what would be another one that I would just love to, to jump into. These are, these are really difficult questions. Does, does anybody else have difficulty answering these? Uh, yeah, I would say most people have even more difficulty. I think you've been uh, doing an outstanding job of coming up with quick answers. <laughs> I was joking recently that um, I have so many improvisers who do my show, and sometimes they're the very worst. And I count myself among them, where all of a sudden, this thing that we're supposed to be do be able to do really fast, which is come up with a great instant retorts to things, totally mm-hmm. fails us when it comes to this game. <laughs> well, good. I don't feel so bad now then. Yeah. Um, no, you absolutely shouldn't. Uh, this would be super nerdy, but uh, let's go to Hogwarts. Let's do some Harry Potter. Hell yeah. Are you kidding me? That's on my list for sure. Right. I've never outgrown like any story about, you know, peculiar children who have special gifts. Like right. I, I'm always like, I got to see that. 
Those books and movies are so fun. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. Uh, And then this is that part where I just say, tell me when to stop, where I'm drawing my little spiral. So I'm starting right now. And stop. Okay. I'm going to count these little rings. Let's both hit pause so that we don't uh, put our listeners through um, my stupid any mini mini bow process. Okay. And then when I come back, I'm going to uh, be, have a wonderful future for you that is 100% guaranteed, although it is fake. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, so I feel very pleased with this this outcome. I feel that you are going to agree with me 100%. I mean, you gave great answers, so... Um, I can't wait to hear the it. The only thing that I feel like... I do want to rip the Band-Aid off about the fact that you ended up with an apartment. Now, listen, it's not a shack. <laughs> Damn it. But, like, a shack you could almost work with and be like, oh, it's my cabin. Right. Oh, it's my little fishing mm-hmm. hole shack. Apartment suddenly becomes very, like, what do you live above, like, a burger place? Um, yeah, but like uh, you do have an, a vacation <laughs> apartment in Colorado. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I, what this is turning into for me is like you live above a bakery in Breckenridge where you just wake up in the morning to the smell of baking bread. Well, Becky will love that. Um, that's where she's sold. She, she yeah. won't even care that it's an apartment. There you go. There you go. Okay. So that's so so that's your vacation home scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, you also have the ability to uh, to heal yourself at will. You're basically invincible. Perfect. Um. Uh, so uh, that sort of ex- helps explain why every time you hit a baseball, but not necessarily, you know, hand-eye coordination doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that's not, that doesn't go hand in hand with, with invincibility, mm-hmm. but you can fucking hit a baseball. Yes. I mean, that thing unravels and like in the old goofy cartoon where like, like he hits the baseball and it just sort of turns into the components of a baseball. Like, like in the natural, <laughs> immediately. I just hit, hit the cover exactly. off the ball into the lights. Exactly. Awesome. Every time. Uh, but hopefully you won't get tired of that. I don't think you will. Um, and unsurprisingly, because uh, you are eight, you have the ability to jump into the hangover at any given time, yes. you also have the ability to pull out Zach's character from the hangover. So you can either be in the movie with those dudes or uh, hang out with him there, but then you can also bring him back out and be like and just some just alone time. in life. Yeah, like some alone time exactly. with me and Zach. Right. I like it. Exactly. Uh, that includes uh, eating pizza at Bruno's. Oh, yes. Um, but like you're just there. You're suddenly there. It's right in front of you whenever you want. And it's good for um, me. And it's good for you. Oh, it's so good for you, Bob. You don't even know. It's, it's like vitamin C pure pizza. Vitamins. <laughs> pure vitamins. Um, and then, uh, listen, I don't know if you want to set a, a TV show or like a movie at Bruno's, but I do want you to know that you do have this kind of alternate universe career where uh, you dabble a little bit in this in this kind of acting world. Um, that's good because that hopefully will mean that we get a chance to work together in that capacity, which I think would be a hoot. Sweet. Um, and then that just leaves... Uh, uh, Becky, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're going to have to share Bob with Angelina Jolie. <laughs> That's, Listen, she's a busy lady. I think she's a busy lady. She's out of town a lot. Yeah, well, and and I think I think Becky could get it. I think Becky's response to me telling her that I've had a crush on Angelina Jolie has been in the past that you know the woman just oozes sex. So I think, oh my god, yeah. absolutely! That's why I said get in line. It's like people who didn't even know they were attracted to humans are attracted to right. Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, you're in you're in really good company. Um, so that, my friend, concludes the mash game, which uh, almost concludes the podcast. Which I am so excited that uh, we were able to make happen. Um, I don't think it will replace meeting you in person. I feel that will happen at some point, hopefully sooner than later. But uh, but I'm really really glad we got to do it. And the only thing that I have to put you through that I 
absolutely did not warn you about at all, mm-hmm. but that I think you have in you is because I only interview guys during the summer and I call it my Boys of Summer series, I do require my male guests to sing off the top of their head whatever, just a little snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> that that can't be a like thing. I feel like you know it because you already revealed to me that you like you know you sort of know popular like eighties rock. I just feel like that's something. It's a hundred percent a thing. Uh, and I just feel I like just, that song song is somewhere in your mind. <laughs> I can't. Even, you, you, why don't you start and get the melody going? Because of course I know the, uh, the core. Yeah. So the chorus is like, uh, I can see you, your brown skin shining in the sun. You got to even I don't know the lyrics. And yeah, yeah, Arizona, baby. Mm-hmm. Keep going. <laughs> this doesn't count as you singing it. You know that, right? I want to see if I can just like get you, you to sing it. You might be able to, yeah, I know that that's what's happening. Um, no, you kind of know how the next part goes, right? Uh, the boys. It's of, just you and me here. Where there's no one else. Right? Listening. No one's listening. Uh, <laughs> I I, you know, I, I I have to bow out. I don't know the I don't know the lyrics. What about do you know the the, the basic like I, it goes I it goes I can tell you my love for you will still be strong after the boys of summer have gone. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> okay, just think it with me. It goes uh, I can tell you my love for you I will still, still be, be strong. 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 See, I was gonna go with gone. I got the lyrics wrong. At, it will still be gone. That's very dark. <laughs> and then just this last part, just to sing this last part with me. After the, the boys, boys of summer <laughs> have gone, the boys of summer have gone. There you go. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Yeah. You graduated. You noticed one of my. Cho- you graduated. Thank you. One of my career choices was not to um, be a singer. Uh, I did notice that. I did notice that. All tr- all told, I did notice that. Um, well, awesome. Bob, thank you so, so much for doing this. And uh, uh, guys, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. I'm so glad. And uh, obviously, I think if, if you if you are familiar with my podcast, but you're not familiar uh, with what Bob does, uh, we talked about the Off-Duty podcast. Truth and Justice, of course, is uh, his um, kind of more in the crime world podcast. And uh, and you're active on social media. Uh, and I know that you have some fans who are very active with you. So believe it, he engages with people. Um, but guys, be respectful of that. You know what I'm talking about. Um, okay, Bob, thank you so much. See you guys. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.